Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14. And I am going to begin reading in verse number 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. And it reads, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he has sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in this fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to study and to hear your word your voice this morning. Father, as we said earlier, earlier, Lord, we really want to hear from you. Father, I pray today, God, that this message, Lord, will light a fire again in all of us, Lord, in a very fresh way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Use me as you always do for your own glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're kicking off today a brand new series entitled Ignite. Um, I'm really particularly very excited about this series because I understand and having been walking with the Lord now for some, uh, I guess, 25 years of being a believer, that there are those times in walking with God, if you're not very careful, you can find yourself sort of losing uh, your passion and your zeal. Um, I said this before, and it's worth saying again. Um, I can remember the time when I first gave my life to Christ. Uh, I was just really, really excited. Uh, just couldn't wait to go to church. I was the first one to show up. You know, I just couldn't wait to read, read my Bible. You know, you're reading your Bible, you know, for hours, but it seems like minutes because you're just in the presence of God. And, and you know, and, and it's such an exciting time. And there was a time in my own walk with God where things began to wane some. I didn't quite understand what was happening, but I was still serving God, still 
reading my Bible, still praying, still doing all of those things. But it seemed like my passion and my zeal wasn't the same. So I want to talk this morning to those believers who once had a deep passion for serving God, and all of a sudden it seems like your passion has slipped away. What Ignite is about is igniting your faith, igniting again that passion to whereby when you think about the Lord, it just brings uh, tears to your eyes. It, 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 it inspires you. How many of you know that there's nothing better than falling in love with Jesus? And if you've ever been there, you've experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I understand that there are some times that we can find ourselves drifting away from God, although we're doing the work of God. You can come into church, and maybe there are some here today that you come into church, and boy, you work your tail off. You're a good worker. You do really, really well with all the things and responsibilities that you have. I mean, you are on point. You are meticulous down to the T. But perhaps even in all of that, you feel no real passion and connection to the Lord. Some of us sometimes, perhaps, are even here this morning, you read your Bible, but all of a sudden it doesn't speak to you anymore. You pray, but you really have no faith that your prayers will get answered or even if God is listening. You come to church hoping to get that fire back, but you are still feeling very empty on the inside. You even attend gatherings and fellowships, but you don't feel the love. In fact, you even marvel how other people love God so much, and, and, and you are just kind of dormant, and, and you're asking yourself, God, what is wrong with me? And then if, if you're not careful, you'll be like a dog that returns back to his vomit. You'll start to slip in your way of thinking, and you'll start drifting back to some of those old habits, thinking that somehow you'll find satisfaction there, only to discover that it was that life, I mean, no, that, that, that life that drove you to Christ in the first place. And so then you find yourself in a situation. Now, you're in a dilemma. You, you see where you are. You're, you're at a place right now where, where you have no lasting joy in your current situation. And believing the lie, everybody say lie, that Jesus isn't enough. I'm here to tell you today that as sure as you can see me standing here this morning, that Jesus is more than enough. The enemy works overtime. He does everything that he possibly can. He throws everything at you, even the, those old temptations, because he wants to convince you that somehow that Jesus cannot really satisfy the deep longings in your soul. He works overtime. And how many know the Bible says that there's, 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 there's pleasure in sin for a season? But then all of a sudden, how I many know you engage because you, you don't know what's going on on the inside. You don't have that passion. You know you should have it. You know you should, be, you should love to be around the people of God. You should love to get in his word. You should love it. And something on the inside of you, it's just it, you, this guilt is welling up on the inside because you're not there and you know it. So you, you walk around and you go through the motions fooling everybody on the outside. 
but inside you have no fire for God. I want to help you today. Today is your day of deliverance. Today is the day when Jesus reignite that passion that you had. And how many know that God wants that passion to burn in you continuously? It is not meant to be. Listen, you should be excited about God now, if it's 25 years later, than when you first came into the kingdom. How many know that God is good and his mercy endures forever? And how many know that his goodness and his presence provokes joy? I'm telling you this morning, the devil is a liar. Let's, let's, jump in some, let's jump in some scripture this morning. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God. Everybody knows this verse. With all of your heart, hear this church, with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Notice in the Bible that the first commandment has little to do with work. It has little to do with what you can do to try to impress God. The first commandment that God is after, he wants us to love him. To love him with all of your heart. This is the call of God. God wants your heart in it. How many know that when your heart is in something, oh boy, you'll, you'll go the distance. You, you know, when your heart is engaged, you will take the risk. You'll take the step. If you know anybody that's ever done anything half-heartedly, you know what I'm talking about. But when you get passion, everybody say passion. When you get passion, boy, it, like passion is the engine. It's the thing that fuels you to serve God. To the full capacity. He said, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, the, the deepest longing of your inner beings, all of your emotion, everything about you. He says, love the Lord with all of your mind. I mean, know that God, the Bible says, listen to this word, church. The Bible says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Did y'all hear that? He said, I will keep him in perfect peace. What is everybody looking for? All around you, right? He said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So in the Bible, it says, love the love with all your heart, all your mind. That is that I'm constantly thinking about him. I'm meditating on his word. I'm every day, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, I'm breathing, I'm thinking about Jesus. Why? Because it is my doorway, it is my path to peace. And everybody wants it. But how do you know Jesus is the Prince of Peace? <laughs> uh, he says, love the Lord with all your mind, watch this church, and with all of your strength. It means you love him to the end. You give God everything you got. You serve him with vigor. You serve him when you're young. You serve him when you're middle age. You serve him when you're old age. In other words, you give God everything you got. This is the call of God. God wants us to be a people that loves him more than anything else on the planet. Can I say this? You were designed that way. This is why men and the women all over the world, people are constantly seeking something to worship. If you don't worship God, you'll worship something. 
because it's, we have been made, we have been designed to worship. Do you understand that? And so it's, it's, you're wired that way. And God wired you to love him more than anything else. If you ever get that out of order, if you get that wrong, nothing else really stays the way it's supposed to be. James 4 verse 8 says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How <laughs> many know that Jesus never went anywhere? He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. See, he says, you, me, draw near. God says, if we draw near, if we take a step and we come near to him, here's what God says. He says, I will come near to you. How many of you want to be closer to him today? I don't know about you, but I want to be closer to him. I want my love and my passion for God. I want it to be strong to the day I leave this planet. I want it to be said of me that Gary D. Bailey served God with all of his heart. He left nothing on the table. I want it to be said of me that he was passionate about his God. He loved his God. He says, draw near to me. And he says, and I will draw near to you. So here's the problem. God hasn't moved. We have. God never went anywhere. The same God that saved you when you first got saved, you were coming to church every day, you couldn't wait to read his word. When you thought about the goodness of the Lord, you cried tears of joy. It's the same God. He hasn't gone anywhere. He stayed right where he is, and he's saying still to this very moment, come. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Come, take my yoke upon you and, and, and learn of me. For I am meek, lowly, and I'm gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. I mean, no, he's good. So it brings us to our main passage this morning in Matthew's gospel, chapter number 14. Here, everybody like to criticize Peter. <laughs> But can I say that I love Peter? One thing that you got to know about Peter is that Peter had a lot of passion. Peter had a, I mean, if people talk about Peter was he was this and Peter was that. But let me tell you one thing that you cannot mistake about Peter. Peter loved Jesus like crazy. Peter was the one that said, Lord, I will follow you to death. Everybody else. I mean, he was the one that said, Lord, I will be the one to jump up. Bid me. I want to come walk on the water. God, I'll do it. How I many know when you're passionate about something, it'll make you take risks? How <laughs> I many know that when you're passionate about something, you'll sacrifice. You'll stay up late. You'll give your time. You'll give your money. You'll give all your focus. Why? Because you're passionate. And Peter was a, he was extremely passionate about God. He was the one that would always be willing to take the risk when everybody else was afraid and everybody else was scared. All Peter did was, Peter says, Lord, I love you. I just want to do it. You got, how many know that we need that kind of passion today? Peter was so caught up with Jesus that he sees Jesus walking on the water. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment because this is powerful. He sees Jesus walking on the water. 
Now, some of the Bible says some of them sat there saying, hey, it's a ghost. What's up with this? You know, some of them like. But Peter, when he got his eyes locked on Jesus. He was locked. Everybody say locked. He had his eyes locked on Jesus. That, that, that what naturally came out of him was, God, I want to come to you. I want to walk on water. I don't even think Peter thought about it. I don't even, Peter, I don't even know if Peter did the, you know, the scientific dimensions in his mind. He, Peter just saw Jesus. He saw him, looked him square in the face, and he says, God, I want to I, I come. God, I, I, I want to come, Jesus. I, bid me come. And, and all of a sudden, Peter caught up in the moment, caught up in his love and his passion for Jesus. Because at that moment, how many know that when he's looking at Jesus, Jesus is all that mattered at that moment? How many know that when you see him, when you really look at him, he is all that mattered? You know, I'm going to tell you something. Fear will go away. Doubt will go away. This is why David was able to slay the giant, because he saw that situation through the eyes of God. He said, who are you? He was staring God right in the face. And let me tell you something, when you get caught up in God, how many know you don't care about what's around you? You ain't too worried about what people are saying or thinking about you because you're caught up. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? You're caught up. So Peter takes a step. Jesus says, come. And Peter begins to walk on water. Now, as long as his eyes is on Jesus, Peter walked on water. I mean, though, that as long as your eyes is on Jesus, you'll walk over some stuff. You'll walk over fear. You'll walk over doubt. You'll walk over depression. You'll walk over anger. Let me tell you, when your eyes are on Jesus, you'll just walk right on through the fire. Peter found himself in this situation because he was focused and he, he, he's walking on water. How many know, church, that our success and quality of life is tied to our focus on Jesus? How many believe that? But here's the problem. Peter, looking at Jesus, he's doing great. He's passionate. He is excited. He's walking on water. How many know that he's at the pinnacle of his walk with God? Come on, somebody. I mean, he is there. I mean, Peter's seeing miracles. You know, when you start to, when, listen, when God starts performing miracles through you, I mean, no, you, you're going someplace. Miracles are happening. Peter was, ex- I mean, Peter had faith. Because I don't know if I was sitting in that boat, I would have been that boat. I'm just telling you the truth. Pray for brother. But Peter had faith. And, and Peter watching Jesus, all of a sudden, he see the winds and the waves and Wait a minute. He, he looked away. For a brief moment, he looked away. How many know that it doesn't take that long to get distracted from Jesus? It don't take that much. Peter was doing good. Peter was walking on water. He looked away briefly, and the Bible says that he began to sink. What happened? What was different? He looked away. He looked away for a brief moment. Like Peter, there were many of you who were on fire for God. You were loving God. You were doing great. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, things were happening. And all of a sudden, but for a moment, you looked away. And now you find yourself sinking. 
You are sitting here, you're sinking. You lack passion and zeal for God that you once had. It's a struggle to pray, read your Bible, or even to come to church. You feel emotionally detached from God and his people. Spiritually speaking, you are drained. And what happened? You looked away. Jesus asked Peter this question. He says, Peter, why did you doubt? What happened, Peter? You remember this, this Peter who was on fire for God, who was passionate? All of a sudden, he looks away. He takes his eyes off of Jesus for a brief moment, and he starts to sink. I wonder how many of us are sitting here today are sinking. In other words, if Jesus was here, he'd be asking you this question. At what point did you become frustrated with me? This is Jesus talking. At what point did you doubt? What point did your anger and your frustration at someone else was really anger and frustration toward me? At what point did you doubt that I would fulfill calling? At what point did you doubt that I would supply your need? At what point did you doubt that I would give you that husband or give you that wife? At what point did you doubt me? You lost passion because there was a point where you looked away. You just looked away. And that look away, and, and listen, and, and here's the thing. You, you see, if you had a deep passion and love for Jesus, but it's no more, you need to go back to that point. And you need to find out what happened. Because let me tell you why. Because when you go back to that point and you discover what happened, you can ignite your passion all over again because you'll be able to give that thing to God. Let me, let me tell you something. I had, I, had a, I had a couple of points in my walk with God. I'm not going to elaborate, but there was a couple of times in my life when I had this thing happen to me and I couldn't figure out why. And God showed me one of those times was I was really frustrated because I did not think because, see, I had, you know, I told you before, I had this calling. And nothing was happening. Nobody would recognize it. It seemed like everybody else was growing in God. Everybody else was going places. Here I am, trusting God, doing it the right way. I saw people who were walking with, well, not walking with God, doing crazy stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing them get promoted. I see it. I see them. Do, and I see me. I'm thinking to myself, God, what's wrong? And let me tell you something. I blinked. I, I looked away. I looked away. I, I looked away. And I started to sink. I started to sing. And God, and you know what I had to do? I had to go back. See, I had to go back to that place where I looked away. Because in that place where you looked away, you discover that's the key to unlock your passion. Because that's where you lost it. You need to go back there, deal with that, so you can come back to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? See, see, and some of us, other things have taken the place of that which was supposed to be reserved for Jesus. So listen, church. Are you still listening? Say amen. Some of us have returned back to the clubs. I'm not here to say clubs are necessarily a sin. But you return back to the clubs with no faith in God. Because you don't believe that God has really helped you. You return back to drugs and alcohol abuse. You, you return back to fornication and lust. You return back to those old ways. You, you returned back thinking, hoping, not even realizing 
that it was really a matter of your faith. How many know that when Peter looked at the winds and waves, he took his eyes off Jesus, he lacked faith in that brief moment. Some of us had moments, some of you had traumatic incidents happen to you. Maybe you lost somebody. Maybe you prayed and you believed God to do something for you. You were trusting the God to move. You were trusting, you were believing, and nothing happened, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, you don't even, you don't want to say it, but deep down inside, you're not mad at the person. You're really mad at God because God didn't change it. God didn't fix it. God didn't do it. And in that moment, you looked away. Come back. Come back. Revelation chapter number two. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Is this helping anybody this morning? Paul's writing, Jesus, I'm sorry, is speaking to the seven churches, and one of those churches were Ephesus where we get the book of Ephesians from. And Ephesus, the, the Ephesian people were great people. Uh, that culture in Ephesus was a, a wonderful city. It was great, productive in commerce and trade. It was a very diverse culture. I mean, it was a happening place. And right in the middle of all that, uh, the Apostle Paul, they planted a church right there. And if you read the book of Ephesians, it's a letter that Paul is writing to the, the church in Ephesus. And this was an amazing church. And so, so watch what Paul says. Now, now, now watch what, this is Jesus talking to the, to the churches. Watch this. To the angel of the church of Ephesus. Right. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. He who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Watch this church. I know your works, your labor, your patience. That you cannot bear those who are evil. Now, when you say that that is probably a, a good a good thing for a church, right? You, you, you would think that's a healthy church, great church, right? He said, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and, and are not, and you have found them to be liars. And you have preserved, you have persevered and have patience. Look at this church. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now you look at that and you think to yourself, man, this is a great church. Nothing wrong with this church, man. This is what we want to be. You're patient. You love people. I mean, you're loving. I mean, you're just you're serving God. You're persevering. You hate evil. Um, but there's one little issue. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. I have this against you. Look at this church. That you have left. Watch this. Your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, now understand this. Because how many know that you can look real good on the outside and you can be dying on the inside? Jesus said, I know your works. I see what you're doing. You're busy. I see you're doing. You're serving. I, I see your work. I, I see the stuff you're doing. But I got one problem with it. Well, Jesus, what's that? You have left your first love. I'm not first anymore. You don't spend time with me like you used to. So how many know that God wants us to serve him out of the abundance of our love and the passion and affection for him? Are you hearing me? 
God didn't save you just to be busy. He wants relationship, Mary. He wants you to sit down at his feet. He says, you've left your first love. You've left it. And everybody thinks that you're okay. But why, why was this important to Jesus at this particular moment? Understand something. Because if, he didn't, if the church didn't deal with this, then there would have become a point in time where they would have lost their passion and their zeal. And so Jesus was calling them back to it. He said, you need to go back. Because how many know that everything hangs on this one commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is what everything hangs on. And so Jesus saw they were slipping in their love. How many know God sees your heart? He knows when you're slipping. Yeah, you can fool me. Let me tell you right now, there ain't no big deal. You know, my dog can fool me. Trust me. They do it all the time. Nothing. But how many know you can't fool God? He says, never left. You left your first love. See, your first love is when you love spending time in his presence. Your first love is, is worshiping him to the point of tears. Your first love is spending hours in his presence, and it feels like minutes. Your first love is when your heart longs for him daily. Your first love is you, you serve him because of your deep love and not out of a sense of Christian obligation. Oh, your first love is when you rather be with him than work for him. Your first love is when he has First place in your heart above everything else. Everything. God wants more than anything else. Don't get it twisted. He wants your heart. He wants your love. He wants that. That's why he said, love me with everything you got. Give me everything. Don't leave nothing on the table. Give me everything. Finally. Peter, like many of us, Peter had a moment. Y'all remember when, when Peter was passionate about God and just really excited about God? And there was a moment when Peter had a, an opportunity to glorify God and he denied Jesus. Y'all remember that? Before he denied Jesus, what did Peter say? Now, I want y'all to stay with me. Don't, 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 don't go to sleep on me just yet. Just stay with me. I got a few more moments because this, this, this is so important you hear this. So, 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 Peter, so Peter now, he's, he's, he's at this place where he, he denied Jesus. And he, but the problem was he told Jesus before he denied him, he says, I will never, ever deny you. Everybody else will, but Jesus, you need to understand one thing. I'm different than them. Jesus, I will never, ever deny you. And when the pressure came, Peter was one of the first ones. And Peter, and Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus told him. He said, oh, before the, the rooster crowed, you know, twice, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus told him, how many know if Jesus tell you something, just go ahead yes, Lord. Don't argue with him. Yes, Lord, help my unbelief. No, but Peter said, oh, no. He's going to argue with God. Oh, no, God, Jesus, you got it wrong. I won't do that. Peter got that pressure. It came to him and the soldiers came, and they said, do you know him? Peter said, I don't know the man. And then the Bible said that Peter began to cuss. Is anybody in here that does ever? No, let me stop. Okay. Peter began to, I don't blankety blank, 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 know him. <laughs> now, while you're laughing, hear this. But the Bible says that Peter went away. And the Bible said he wept 
cried like a baby. Because he really loved God. He didn't think that could happen to him. He was, he, 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 he was hurt. He could not believe. And I can imagine that Peter was sitting back and he was saying to himself, how could I, how could I? Just, and the guilt and the regret just had to have torn, just, just ripped him to shreds. God, I failed you. Some of you are sitting here right now and you think, how could I? To God, I'm so sorry. How could I have done such a thing? God, Peter, is he at this point now? He's, he's weeping because he failed. He failed. All that passion, all that zeal culminated into a moment when he failed. And Peter was so hurt. But how many know Jesus, he always knew where he was. So we, we pick it up. So I'm going to read a couple of verses in John 21. John 21, 3, and then John 21, 15 through 17. Listen to these verses to give us some context. Simon Peter said to him, listen, Simon Peter, Simon Peter in John 21, 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. John 21, 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, a third time. Everybody say a third time. Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Peter had denied Jesus. And even though Jesus had revealed himself to Peter and the other disciples after his death, how many know that Peter wasn't the same? He just wasn't the same. There was still something in Peter. And I imagine that there was still this thing. And, and every time I read this verse, it's just the way Peter said, I'm going fishing. It's like whatever I had, whatever it was, whatever God wanted to do with me before, I've blown it. I've messed it up. I'm going fishing. Some of you have said, I'm going fishing. You know what fishing means? I'm going back to the way it used to be. Because he, my, my Peter's point was when he failed, he denied, he denied that he knew Jesus. What was it for you? Peter said, Peter said, I'm going fishing. But how many know that Jesus has some unfinished business with him? Jesus, when Jesus finally he emerged and he reveals himself to the disciples again, here's what he says. Watch this, church. Here's what he says. The first thing he says to Peter. Now, how many times did Peter deny him? Three times. How many times did Jesus ask him this question? Here's what Jesus said. You know the first thing Jesus said to Peter? He didn't say, Peter, hey, Peter, hey, I got some work for you to do, Peter. Hey, 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 yo, he, he didn't want to talk about all this. He didn't want to go, you know, there's no conversation about all the stuff that Peter did. Jesus asked him one question. Do you love me? Some of you right now, boy, let me tell you something. 
You had some times in your life you wondered, and, and you know you've let God down. You've even let yourself down. And Jesus, and Jesus' word to you this morning is, do you love me? Yes. Do, do you love In other words, Peter, Peter, I know what you did, Peter. I know it's been tearing you apart. I know, but I want you to know, Peter, I want you, do you love me? Because, Peter, you remember all that passion. You remember that zeal. You remember that love. You remember all that, Peter. I'm ready for you to come, Peter. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Boy, boy, I still got a great work for you. I'm here to reignite that passion that you had, Peter. I want it back. Peter, because Peter had gone fishing. Peter was going back to normal. And Jesus had to awaken it. Do you love me? Do you love me? Come back to me. While the music is playing, I want you to think about this for a moment. I don't know what everybody in this room has been going through. I don't know. I don't know all your problems. I don't know all your challenges. But I've been doing this long enough to know that there comes a point in time, if you're not very careful, you'll find yourself like Peter. And God's message to you is very clear. You just put your name there. John, do you love me? Mary, do you love me? Paul, do you love me? All Jesus wants is that love and that passion. You know, Jesus knew that there would be those moments in your life. He knew he knew that you would fail before you knew it. How many know that Jesus knew Peter would fail before Peter failed? Jesus already knew it. He already had made some concession for that. He had already dealt with that. He already knew that. And that's why he was able, and he knew that I got to get Peter back. I got to get Peter back. And so the first person he went to was Peter. And let me tell you why he had to deal with Peter. Because I believe because Jesus knew that Peter wasn't the same guy no more. Peter wasn't the same. And Jesus had to let Peter know, Peter, I need that back, son. Come on back. Daughter, son, I don't care who you are. God's word to you this morning is, come on back. Come on back. It don't matter what you did. All he wants to know is, do you still love me? If you love me, come. I got something for you to do. I'm going to ignite your passion all over again. I'm going to take you on a ride of joy and peace and satisfaction that no crack can give you, no coke can give you, no bottle can give you, no club can give you, no sex can give you. Only Jesus can make you happy on the inside. Don't believe the lie. Only Jesus. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.